The Matt Wyatt Show podcast is made possible by Mississippi Land Bank. Buying or selling, make sure you go there first. Online at mslandbank.com. That's Mississippi Land Bank, where they understand the lay of the land in North Mississippi. What you know? Time to get going in hour number two of the show here. Man, more stuff than we can shake a stick at. Check this out if you're watching the live stream. See this? This is the back of an envelope. And Beth was doing some stuff at the house today, and she handed me this stick of little envelope. And she had written down bullet points of stuff. She goes, these are some things I think you ought to talk about in your show today. <laughs> She's super smart, super organized, and I really appreciated it. And look, I mean, like the whole page is full. Uh at the top of the list, she goes, JSU primetime. Next, Dak attack, onside kick, NFL weekend, the caliber of the quarterbacks. And that's based on a conversation that I was having with her yesterday when we watched some games. Uh, college I want to talk onside kick, too. College football boring needs SEC. Okay? That was another thing. I told her, yet, or, or I guess Saturday, I said, man, I'm going to be honest with you. This college football is boring without the SEC. <laughs> um Previewing Mississippi State and LSU and Ole Miss and Florida, which we kind of touched on it. Uh, also, she put on here Ole Miss tickets uh, sales, question mark. Yeah, because there was a story out there this morning. Let me see if I can find it. Well, I'll, I'll just give you the, the basics. David uh, Waters, who covers Florida, does a Florida podcast, a guy that I know, and I follow him on, or he's on one of my college football lists on Twitter, and he said, Hey, Florida fans, if y'all want to go to the game, there's some Ole Miss tickets available still on their website. They had not sold them all uh, of the allotment that they can sell to make it 25%. Uh, she put on here, high school football, exciting right now. I'm going to Warren Central on Friday, which we are. I'll be there Friday for the Warren Central Germantown game. Uh, had a great time at Biggersville, which I did. Had a great time at 1A Biggersville High School up in um, Alcorn County on Friday night. Made a video about the experience, and if y'all want to see that, go to my uh, Facebook and YouTube pages. I want to know about right that there. restaurant, man. That restaurant looked amazing. Yeah, uh, Kenny's Barbecue. Yeah. You know, if you go to Biggersville, there's basically, you know, I don't want to sell them short, but really it is true in terms of, like, businesses. You know, you have a, a gas station, a Dollar General, right on the highway, and a barbecue place and a water tower and a school. I mean, that's basically what you have. And then people living in and around that community. Just great folks and really fun you know, small town atmosphere. They caught Smithville at the right time. Smithville was playing their first game, and they hadn't even practiced a whole lot. They couldn't, and it looked that way. And Biggersville's good. They're three and zero. They've scored over sixty points the last two weeks in a row. They won sixty four to nothing the other night. Had a running game. They got a big two hundred plus pound running back that can run. JB that nobody can tackle him. You know, he was just doing whatever he wanted to in the ball game. And then the last thing she put on here, and I'm glad she did. <clears throat> Crowd noise piped in equals stupid. <laughs> That's what she wrote on the notes that she handed me, and I love all of this. I really do. But I agree with you, JB. I think it's time to talk about that onside kick and a little NFL football. Yeah, let's do it. They really were stumbling and bumbling and sort of kind of, weren't they? Okay. They looked like they were, what do you call it when you're... Hypnotized. Uh, no, not <laughs> hypnotized. It looked like they were doing that little 
uh, broom game, you know? Oh, yeah. Curling, curling. <laughs> it looked like they were all curling, and nobody wanted to touch the thing. They were yeah. just using their little brooms to make it go faster. You're those, exactly those right. Those Falcons ought to, They, if I was the special teams coach, mm-hmm. I would do nothing but onside kicks for an hour today at practice. Yeah, but and my thing is this: How can you have played football as much as NFL football players have played, okay, right. and not know that if you are the receiving team, if you are the hands you team, you don't have to wait on anything. It's your ball. If he kicks it, I can run up there and touch it. I can run up there and kick it all the way down the end zone if I want to. I, I am free to do with that football what I want to do when I want to do it. Why and how can not just one player Mm-mm. at that they level, watched it. multiple players at that level, how in the world on the receiving team could they possibly think they need to wait for it to travel 10 yards? That is a rule that is only for the kicking team. And here's the other thing that to me is just stupid. How is it, how is it, JB, that all these analysts can't seem to figure that out and point that out. I don't know. I they called it the to, watermelon kick this morning. I, you know, the kick was not even good. No. Listen. But it was it was pretty creative. I have to give them this that. This, to me, shows you that there is a vacuum that people in any in any profession, there is a an information uh, mental vacuum that they get into where... There are certain things that just, do, there's not room for it to get sucked into that mental vacuum. They don't even know. Look, after the game, all the Cowboys media, what are they doing? Oh, boy, what about that kick from Zero? Have you ever seen such a great onside kick? I'm going, it was a terrible onside kick. It wouldn't, <laughs> it should never have worked. The well, only tell, tell reason everybody it why worked it was is terrible. because the, okay, here's why. Exactly. The kick your tr- every onside kick you have ever practiced is done so in one of two ways with one of two purposes. One, to make it bounce in the air as high as possible and hang there to allow your team, the kicking team, to get there and catch the football before the other guys can and make a play on it, to make it bounce around so we got a chance to get it. Or to time it as perfectly as you can so that it reaches the 10-yard mark where we can legally touch it at the same time as my runner reaches the 10-yard mark. Does that make sense? So with the new rule out here, the guys can't move until I kick the football. There's no getting a running start and all that, and they're starting 10 yards away. So as a kicker, I kick it. I've got to make this angle meet. I've got to make the two angles converge. A guy running off the line and the ball are going to converge at 10 yards before the other guys can corral the football. It's a certain angle. It can only work a certain way. They run somebody in front to confuse the other guys. There's never, ever, ever been an intended onside kick that hung out and just wobbled around short of that 10-yard mark as long as that one did. It was a mistake. The kick was a mistake. And then all these stupid, mushy-headed media won't even ask the Cowboys the real question, hey, 
Tell the truth. You never intended that ball to go that way. Because I guarantee you, Zerline would tell you, no, I'm not really trying to make it do that. I do want it to spin so that it's harder for them to catch it because the whole purpose of that spinning kick, what nobody would step up and say is the purpose of making it spin to begin with is so that the guy trying to catch it on the other team might mishandle it. There you go. That's what it is. But why can't they ask a question? And then they ask, like, uh, Amari Cooper. And he says, well, I've seen it in practice, and this sure is a great onside kick. Bull, stop lying to everybody. And then this morning, <laughs> I, listen, JB, I turn on, I'm in there doing push-ups this morning. I turn it on some show, um, I don't even know what channel. I think it was on ESPN. And they've got a four, they got four guys, people on the screen. Four people. Three men, one woman. One of the three men is a former player. He played not that long ago. Was this one with Ryan on it? I think this was maybe Brandon Marshall, receiver, okay, I, former I, receiver. I, He's I, on I, it. I thought Rex Ryan was on there, too. And I'm telling you, this former player sat right there on, telev- on national television in his suit and tie and talked for four minutes about how making excuses well the he said the Atlanta Falcons were just in a bad position they were in no man's land because they were waiting on the ball to go 10 yards not one time did he say they don't have to wait for it to go 10 yards <laughs> because i don't think he knew <laughs> he's he's a wide the game happened right. yesterday yeah. he's a wide receiver he's been on the hands team yeah. Y'all, listen. If another person on my television talks about that and tells me it was a great onside kick and that it really wasn't the Atlanta Falcons players' fault and they fail to say the words, receiving team doesn't have to wait on the football. Just go get it. Then I'm going to turn the TV off and I'm never turning it back on. I promise you that. It's a, How can they not know that, JB? I don't know. I mean, I was thinking the same. Even my wife last night. Now she's the daughter of a football coach, but when it happened, she just looked at me and she said, her, "Her big word for when people do crazy, ignorant things, she calls them big stupids." <laughs> she goes, "Look at the bunch of big stupids. <laughs> that, Cover the football." That's a big stupid. Just you can touch it. How can you not know that? And then all these analysts, how can you not just say, "They don't have to wait for it to go ten yards." You got people out here telling me that it was a great onside kick. It was a horrible one. It was a horrible one. Chris, on the Divini Equipment phone line. What's up, Chris? What's up, man? I thought I was going to lose you before I actually got to talk to you. Well, it's my show, not yours. Hey, uh, now it's your show, though, <laughs> so go ahead. Hey, what I going to say was is that, no, they don't have to wait for it to go 10 yards to touch it. But do you think that those four guys just didn't want to be the one to screw up and try to grab it and miss it and somebody else pick it up and it be their fault? I think four players for the Atlanta Falcons did not know the rule, and they are on the hands team. And that's a result of an abbreviated training camp and no preseason games and less practice time. And I I think it's an example of this, Chris, in any profession – there are people way up the chain, very highly paid, doing dumb stuff. And I think that's what it's an example oh, of. I, I agree with that. I agree with that 100%. I mean, I deal with that every day. Yeah, we yeah, all I do. I live in the trucking industry. 
stupid stupid people do real I mean people outside do some real stupid stuff in the trucking industry. <laughs> but what I I mean I really believe I really believe that I when I saw that the first thing I said was is didn't none of them want to be the one mm. have to go and answer why he didn't why he didn't actually get he got down on the ball and it squirted out from up under him and somebody else picked it up and took off running. Well, and he, he waited until it went 10 yards. Because That's the thing. He didn't have to. It, because, because if they had touched it before the 10 yards, then it was a live ball. Well, that's right. If they touch it before it's 10, it's live ball. But, like, the one guy could have fallen on it two times, and he moved around it like he thought he couldn't touch it. Yeah, I, there's just Man, you, I, no I know, excuse I know you, I whatsoever. Know tried to Come on now. I know you've tried to jump on a fumble that was mishandled between you and your running back, and hey, things squirt up. Chris, nobody ever playing a football game has not jumped on a fumble because you thought you couldn't get it or it might get away from you. I'm telling you, from the time you put on a hey, peewee a- helmet, your coaches are screaming and yelling at you, if the ball's on the ground, you get on the ball. Get on the ball. And then they'll do drills. And then they make you jump on fumbles with a wet football. It's like the cardinal rule. If the ball's on the ground, you go get it. Why did Cam Newton get oh. criticized from coast to coast and still being criticized for not jumping on a fumble in the Super Bowl. Because he's chicken. Because he's chicken. And if you don't jump on a fumble or jump on a loose ball, you assume everybody will think you are chicken. Yep. (laughs) That's right. All right. Well, y'all have a great day. Thanks, Chris. Hey. Hey. I didn't hear what he said. We lost him. No excuse for what they did. Let's see here. The... uh, text I got from Louvier on the Country Pleasing text line. Country Pleasing Sausage. 885-ESPN. Louvier says this. Dude for the Falcons told the reporter that he didn't know that he could cover the onside kick before 10 yards. Louvier says this word. Idiot. <laughs> How he? This is Louvier's text. How are you a professional football player on the hands team knowing that the only way to lose the game is to fail to cover this kick and you don't know the rule? You're definitely cut. No more football for you ever. Special teams coach, he said he called him a dumb. <laughs> Special teams coach should be fired, never allowed to coach any higher than Pee Wee because they don't kick. He said it's unforgivable. He thinks the, the Seahawks will beat the Cowboys next week by 30. And then he says, oh, yeah, by the way, go Saints. Who tonight will open up the new stadium in Las Vegas with no fans in there? And hopefully it's not boring. The Death Star. Hey, let me, I want to play you. I am your father. I want to play you one thing here. This is Prescott after the ball game. Yeah, I mean, we we showed our resiliency today. Uh, And, I mean, first, I want to thank just uh, those 21,000-plus fans that showed up today. Um, as you said, I, I don't know if I've been in many games like this. The only thing I can think of is the playoff game my rookie year. Um, but to be able to get the win um, and filling those those fans that were there, that stayed the whole game, that didn't give up on us, uh, that was a huge difference. I think the team fed off of that. I know they did late in, uh, late in that two-minute drive uh, after that onside kick. Uh, it was simply just incredible, incredible game to be a part of. But I think the team, more than anything, just showed their, their faith and resiliency in each other uh, and just staying at it. All right, that's Dak after the game. Now, Dan Quinn, head coach of the Falcons after the game, said 
that the guys on his kickoff return team definitely know the rules. Well, I think they definitely know. The front three are usually blocking uh, as they're going in. The high bouncers go to the second side. So the front line, uh, generally on an onside kick, they're looking to get a block first. Then it goes, you know, the high hop goes to the next player. So um, when that instance happens and it's not one that is a high hopper, then you just transfer in and you go to your ball. But you're looking at your assignment first of who you have to go block, certainly the ball, and then your assignment. So they definitely know the rule. They definitely know the rule, he says. I just can't believe he that they knew the rule. He had to say that to cover his tail. I guess. <laughs> but, all right, now, and everybody's talking about what a big win it is for the Cowboys, and it was an unbelievable performance by Dak Prescott, you know, a record-setting performance by him. He's did the Cowboys just, take advantage of the, the Falcons being – as my wife would say, a bunch of big dummies, <laughs> big, big stupids. Big stupids. If if they catch the ball on the halfback pass, if they get the onside kick, they don't win. The, you know, Atlanta wins the game because of four fumbles, three of them that they turn over in the first quarter of the ball game. So listen to McCarthy after the ball game, Dallas's head coach. This is a big moment to build off of, but you know, the fact of the matter is, you know, we're one and one. Uh, we understand that. We you know, we want to make sure we establish home field. You know, dominance and you know to 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 come back and and get that done today was was outstanding. It was. A- Do you hear what he said in there? But but let's we all understand we're just one and one. See, Louvier. I don't know if the Seahawks beat the Cowboys next week by thirty, but I know that based on what we have seen, there's just nothing that we have seen that should lead us to believe the Cowboys can go to Seattle and win next week. Did you watch any of that uh, that Patriots Seahawks game? Last I did. Night, man? Yeah, and Russell Wilson Dude, is like unstoppable. They were throwing some leather around in that game. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw one penalty in there. Seems like early on. Cam drives me crazy though, because every time he gets down on the goal line, he wants to be the dude to take it in. Take it in. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, I'll be honest look. with you. If I was coaching him, and yeah. he's six foot six, runs a four four, and weighs two hundred sixty five pounds, he'd be running it. If yeah. I were coaching, I promise you. <laughs> Yeah, now that done. one play they did where he faked the run and just tossed it to the, you know the the uh, yeah. tight end that was faking the block. Yeah, I don't yeah. Know. This is funny. B Mac on the YouTube live stream says the Dallas Cowboys need to change and be the Alice Cowboys because they have no D. That's great. Yeah, the defense <laughs> gave it thirty nine. And you know, here's the thing: they the defense played better on the road last week. In the first half they were bad. In the second half they played a little better against a good Rams team, but. So stranger things have happened, but I, that's what I'm saying, Louvier, is I still think that what we have to look at for Dallas is yesterday does not, just because you won the game in dramatic fashion and really like miracle fashion, you, you still have to look at the reality, don't you, that that defense could horrible. not stop Matt Ryan. Mm-mm. I, while we were watching the game, and I'm kind of pulling for the Cowboys. I always pull for the Cowboys and, while Dak's there. And Annabeth and I were talking because I said, come on, Matt Ryan, just make one mistake. Because he made no mistakes. And as long as he didn't make any mistakes, they converted third down after third down after third down after third down. 39 points I was kind of glad worth. he didn't, man. He was my fantasy quarterback. Oh, sure. boy. Well, you loaded up. <laughs> what do you have, four or five touchdown passes? Uh, he had four touchdown passes, didn't have as many yards as he had last week, but uh, he came in about 30 points for me. Yeah. The quarterbacks in the NFL, you know, that establish themselves, what do they do? They don't 
make a lot of mistakes. Mm-hmm. They all have that quality. The guys who don't, okay, Andy Dalton, Trubisky. The guys who make lots of mistakes, it doesn't matter what their upside is. They don't last that long. You know, Matt Ryan's been lighting people up for 13 years in Atlanta. He just doesn't make a lot of mistakes. And if, you know, he'll hang around and be steady and you you have a game where you screw up, they beat you. Dak Prescott, even in college, I'd study his film. And it was like he had this uncanny ability to, if you made a mistake on defense, he found it nine out of ten times. And sometimes he'd find your mistake and exploit it, and you couldn't even explain how he found it. Just have a well, knack for it. Yeah, I, and, and and he does. It's all about that you know blood in the water mentality. But I also think that the Falcons have continually through the years mm-hmm. shown the ineptitude ineptitude to hang on to a victory. Yeah, no, you exactly think about right. the Super Bowl, right? How about that? You know? The same team. I look. There's just no question. The Cowboys should not have won the game. Okay, they are fortunate they did. Dak played unbelievable football. What he does, the scores, the yards, and all that. But I think in reality, you can't let that glaze over. You got to have a clear vision of the fact that the Cowboys are not a good team right now. Now they may show up, and because of this little boost in confidence, look better next week. But they could not stop. Anybody yesterday. Like having a screen door on a submarine. Absolutely. They were, a, you know, Swiss cheese. And then offensively, they started slow. You know, three fumbles in the first quarter, and you get behind by three scores right off the bat. Maybe they put it together, but just because they won that game, I, I still think Dallas has a long way to go. A long way. The Saints are going to show you again tonight. They're the best team in the NFC. Y'all stick around. Back with you. Rolling along here, hour two of the show on this Monday. Thanks for tuning in. Deion Sanders' official Twitter account. I said Twitter. Twitter. Deion Sanders' official Twitter account, at Deion Sanders. And he spells the first name. You know, it's D-E-I-O-N. There's a video there. And then he tweeted, moving forward, only address me as Coach Prime. Go JSU Tigers. Get ready. It's official. You're kidding me. Coach Prime. Coach Prime. Coach Prime. So does that mean when I want to call the, like a, like if a Gator Greg would call you Mr. Matt White, so would I call him Coach Prime Time? Yeah. Does that mean if we interview him on the show, we have to say Coach Prime? Let's say Coach. I'm just going to call him Neon. <laughs> Prime Time. Prime Time. I like Prime it. Time. I like it. <laughs> hey, uh, I'm going to go over some high school stuff, but first, uh, the... Country pleasing text line, 885-3776. That's the number. Might be a little easier to remember if you just go 885-ESPN. That's the way to text the show. Love to hear from you. Unnamed texter. 
Uh, let's see. Uh, what happened uh, to Jet Johnson, linebacker from Tupelo? I think that was his name. MSU four-star recruit. Haven't heard his name mentioned lately. Is he still with the team? Yeah, Jet Johnson on the team. Uh, he's at practice every day and working hard. He's he'll be somewhere on that depth chart, but not a starter that you see on that'll come out this afternoon from Mississippi State uh, around two o'clock or a little thereafter. But uh, not a starter, but he's out there. And he'll, you know, contribute. Let's see. Unnamed texture. Matt, what's your guess at the number of players on the two deep that missed this week due to contact tracing? I have no earthly idea. Haven't heard a single thing about, you know, who's in, who's out. I just know last time I was out there, it looked like everybody was out there. But that's that's been a few days. So uh, I just don't know. We'll find out. We'll see. Delta Dog said, how do you think the MRA-Corinth game will go? That is a really good question. Corinth's a good football team. Hey, so let's look at the scores. Where's my drum line here? Drum line. It's like the other day I liked this because I wanted a little backdrop to the scores. Or we were previewing the games and uh, why not do it again? All right, so who did Corinth beat? Corinth beat Kossuth 66-27. Corinth, a 4A school, two years off of a state championship, by the way. I saw them win it down in Hattiesburg two years ago. Uh, I'll put it this way. MRA is going to have their hands solidly full, and that's a pretty long trip. I mean, you're talking about, what, four hours to get up there? Yeah, especially if you do go to the trace. Well, see, I'm thinking they're probably going to go. Yeah, they'll go trace. They'll go the trace up to Tupelo, won't they? Yeah. Can they take buses like that on the trace? Yeah, yeah. You okay. can do school buses. Uh, okay. You just can't take the big uh, Greyhound type charter okay. buses. So they'll go up the trace to Tupelo, then get on I-45 and go north uh, from there. That's a long trip. I mean, I think absolutely. MRA can go up there and be competitive with them, no question about it. But I mean, Corinth's a really good football team, and they're coming off that you know, confidence a couple builder. Couple of uh, MRA dads at Live Oaks yesterday playing golf, and I talked to them for a little while after their round, and uh, they are uh, they're planning on making the trip. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. So, you know, and look, I'm telling you, if y'all are any of y'all chasing MRA up there to watch that game on Friday. Get off work and go early if you're a Civil War buff and go through the Corinth Interpretive Center and see some of the stuff in and around there that they have made. It is fantastic if you're a Civil War buff. You know, it's not that far from Shiloh. really connected to Shiloh. Okay, so scores in high school football around the state. Biggersville, I told you, was a 64-zip win over Smithville. I went to that game up in Alcorn County. It was great. All right. Brandon beat Madison Central 6-0. Who was it? It was me. (laughs) It was me. Yeah, I talked to to a principal from Madison yesterday, and I said, man, what happened? He goes, we just didn't play well. We had a couple TDs called back, had a couple penalties at inopportune times, and uh, he said it was just a a defensive battle. Yeah, this works out that way. I, I woke up uh, Saturday morning. There was an egg all over my face. 
Hey, this was a surprising score to me. Calhoun City beat Water Valley 40-21. to That was Calhoun City's first win. And, uh, you know, it's not that they go win the game at Water Valley on the road. It's just that, you know, they put up 40 in doing so. That's a heck of a win for them um, in North Mississippi. Florence beat Forest in overtime. What a game. How many overtimes did they go to? It was 51-44. to Wow. Kind of shocker for me from Friday night. Uh, well, there was three or four of them, but the uh, Hattiesburg beating Jeff Davis. I know. Kind of surprised me. Yes, and that looked like a heck of a ball game. 30-25 to 25 the score in that one. Uh, Germantown beat Terry 55-20. The one I was looking at earlier, too, how about, okay, Biloxi beat Stone 38 to nothing. Yeah, I don't and, think Stone County's very good this year. Well, but, you know, Biloxi didn't even hardly practice. Think right. about this. They barely practiced a day or two. And now they are 2-0 and and have not given up a single point yet in two weeks. Hey, man. <laughs> you can do it. Get away with it. It's, that's right. More it's power good. to you. What is it they say? It's good work if you can get it. That's right. Um, let's see here. Yeah, you mentioned Hattiesburg. Kosciuszko no. beat Choctaw County 35-14. Lafayette responds. They beat Marble 42-7. to The fighting John Bonds won again. They won again. What are they, 2-1 and one now? Yeah. Or 2-0. and oh. So Madison St. Joe's. Do you say St. Joe's or St. Joe? I just say St. Joe because I grew up here, and they were always known as St. Joe. But Saint when Joe. they moved to Madison, they put that Madison on the front. Yeah, St. Joe. So, 20 to 16 over West, West Lincoln is who they beat. Okay. All right. Um, Natchez beat Vicksburg 34-32. Neshoba Central over Scott Central 27-16. Check my Twitter feed, at Radio Wyatt. Some folks sent me a highlight from that game, and I – Circled the kid for you. An incredible hustle play. I wish, y'all put the word out. I would love to each week on my Twitter feed highlight high school kids who have unbelievable hustle plays. And it, I don't care if it's a one star or a five star or anything. I don't care about any of that. But if you have a local player or you're a coach listening and you have a kid that I could give him a pat on the back for an incredible hustle play, send it to me. I want to highlight kids who have off-the-charts hustle plays. I would love to do that each week. Uh, Newton whipped up on Raymond, 33-zip. Newton County, 28-7 over Union. Northwest Rankin, 48-22 over Ridgeland. Now, hey, that's... Did any, anybody else call that one? I don't know. I know you did. Oh, uh, yeah, buddy. And I know that Chris Brooks did also. Because you remember he and Brandon at MississippiGridiron.com, really? they split on the picks. And we said, Chris must really believe Northwest Rankin is going to win because if he picks them, he's going to automatically be accused of being a homer. But he got it, and so did you. Northwest Rankin, 48-22 over Rizland. I mean, that's what you didn't, even though you're picking Northwest Rankin to win, I don't think anybody thought it'd be 48-22. No, I thought it'd be, I really thought it'd be like, you know, 30, 33-32-20, something like that. Yeah. Hey, don't look now, but the Greyhounds of Ocean Springs are good. They beat Pascagoula 38-14. Olive Branch is good again. They just beat everybody. They beat Cleveland Central 38-20. Let's see. Let me uh, go down. Richland, a big win over Pisgah, 43-7 in that one. Big J.J. Plummer. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. South Panola went to Clarksdale and handed them their first loss. That was kind of surprising to me. Me too. 41 I kinda, I, to 6. Yeah. I picked South Panola, but I didn't think they'd beat them that bad. Yeah. 
And I was kind of shocked that Warren Central, uh, Pearl, took them into overtime. I, you know, I think a lot of people were, right? I mean, Pearl played well to do that. Warren Central's a good football team. I am, I cannot wait to be down there and watch Friday night, Germantown at Warren Central. That defense, I think, is, is pretty dynamite for Warren yeah. Central. Yeah, I think so. I really so. do. I think you're right. Um, and, th- and in some ways, a very you know inexperienced at the beginning of the year on offense, but they seem to be putting it together. You know, put up 28, get the win. And, you know, the other thing about Warren Central, too, JV, it's kind of like the Cowboys getting this miraculous win that they had to have to avoid going 0-2 yesterday. Winning a game in overtime like that early in the year is a glue moment. It's a glue moment, man. You have something miraculous come together that gives you this elated feeling and you really celebrate together early in the year. It is a... Is a, absolutely a spark for good team chemistry. I call them watershed moments. Yeah, and man, if you don't think there's something to it, high, coaches will tell you. High school coaches will tell you. Having a winning football season makes the entire school year go better. <laughs> they they will tell you literally, literally, you will have fewer discipline problems in your school when your football team wins in the fall. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that something? I've, I've heard that before. Yeah, yeah. It the power of positivity, man. Well, it makes everybody feel a part of something. And so you yeah. win, and I don't care who it's against. You pull out an overtime win in week three of the season. That's a chemistry moment right there. That's why fans go we when they talk about their team. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> it's not like they're lacing them up and putting on the helmet, you know. Yeah. If your team's losing, it's they. That's the way that works. (laughs) All right, we'll do a head-to-head matchup preview coming up next in the SEC. Stick around. Bob on Facebook asking, when does the Mississippi State depth chart come out? I mean, my guess is that it'll be in the next probably 30 minutes to an hour. I mean, that's my guess. I think game notes may already be out there, but or maybe they don't release it. It's just, you know, being game one, maybe you have that element of surprise. Maybe you just hang on to it. But usually what happens is about the time you have the press conference of the game week, uh, game notes and depth chart stuff get put out there for the media a lot of times it's you're meeting with coaches on mondays of a game week in person and so you walk in and you just pick it up they've got it printed out for you but that's not happening it's all zoom meetings and online virtual stuff so maybe it has to show up in an email inbox or something like that i do know this when you do get it this afternoon you're going to see it tweeted like eight million times by about 10 different people um and i don't really know you know, I guess there's some interest there, but I mean, there's going to be no surprises on it, and depth charts don't really mean nearly as much. And uh, at most positions, it means a lot at quarterback, but you know who the quarterback is, you know who the running back is, and uh, everything else is a big old rotation as far as who actually plays in the ball game. Uh, unnamed texture said, hey, Matt, how about those Leak Academy Rebels? They did it again. We're so proud of them. Yep, they are on a heater. They're on a win streak for sure. Fletcher 
Country please and text line 885-ESPN <laughs> says, Matt, you might want to let Mike Leach know that his offense won't work in the SEC. Because Barrett Salee said so on the SEC This Morning show. He said offensive line spread 15 apart. It won't work in the SEC. I wonder if Leach will just pack his bags and go home now and save himself the trouble. That's a really good question. Should we let him know, Fletcher? I mean, we really don't want to waste his time, do we? Yeah, make sure you let him know the source, too. Yeah. I'm sure that will make all the difference in the world. That's right. You know, uh, Barrett is um, a very nice person. He really is. He's very nice. He, you know, and he's had some things I'm sure he's gotten right over the years. I remember some about State, though. You know, it's one of those, like, he didn't have State contacts. He didn't know State people. He, he didn't talk to their coaches. He didn't talk to the administrators. He didn't have those contacts, so he may not have some real information. I don't know. He's just doing the best he can. I just, you know, I remember right before the 2014 season, he said that Mississippi State didn't have the level of talent that Vanderbilt does. And that was just before the 2014 season. Yeah, y'all might be able to go back and find that. You know, anybody. He must have been using the Ouija board or something. Right. <clears throat> you know, and you have to be careful, too, taking advice and opinions from people talking about offensive line spreads and spreads between linemen, where if you went to that same person and said, describe to me five-man protection and six-man protection and what their rules are. And they go like this. Yeah. You have to be careful about that one also. He's also the one who, the first two, three years that Dan Mullen was at State, kept on writing about how he was on the hot seat, or that he should be. And that was just before they went to number one in the country for five weeks. So when it comes to State, he swings and misses um, more often than not, and that's just the way it is. Now we'll see. You know, it remains to be seen if he's right about this. He could be right, could be wrong. We just, we'll just have to see. But anybody can be right and anybody can be wrong just because somebody says it and just because they're right once or wrong once doesn't mean there's a pattern there. Everybody's got opinions on everything. Matt, I don't mean to be dismissive, man. I just don't think it matters. I mean, you know, LSU, LSU is, a, is roughly a 20 point favorite in that game and I think they're going to win it by three touchdowns. We are so much better on defense right now than any part of the season last year. Talking season. What was it Spurrier said? We used to call this time of year. I called it talking season. Ready for talking season. That's what we're all doing right now, talking a little bit. Talking season. Let's talk with Lynn on the Divinity Equipment phone line. What's up, Lynn? Lynn. Hey, Matt. Hey, man, go ahead. How you doing today? As far as I know, I'm just right. Hope you're doing well also. All right. All doing pretty good. Been listening to you hitting this here lately. Way things have been going, but I got a question for or two for you. I know you got to see a couple of practices. I was wondering who uh, who has jumped out at you the most at the receiver position. Uh, Caleb Ducking. Uh, early on, uh, and then more recently, uh, Shaver. Um, Terrell, is it Shavers? I guess there's an S on the end of the name there, Shavers. The Alabama kid. Yeah, he really, and I think he turned it on, you know, got his legs under him. I tell you what, especially early in camp, Lynn, it was hard to get a gauge sometimes because their legs were so dead. I think it was an absolute yeah. shock to every receiver we've got how much running they were actually doing every practice. 
<laughs> I bet it's like soccer on them. <laughs> it is. And and once they got it, then some guys started to come to life a little bit. Um, you know, they they have both those guys have the huge wingspans and a lot of size, and so when they make a play, it's easy to go wow. I think without question, you know, like a, another Spivey and Cumbus, when they line up in the slot as big as they are. And they'll run out there at 12 yards like on a dig and just slam into a safety and knock them all over the place. And, of course, they're open, you know, when they're running. Yeah, on. Right. And they're so huge and long arms. So they're pretty impressive. And then you mix that up with those two little freshmen like Wally and uh, and Griffin. Uh, yeah. They stand out. To me, I think when people see Tulu in a uniform on game day, he's really going to remind you a lot. Of um, Jamion Lewis, same. Oh man, that kid was electric. Yeah, about the same height, about the same size, same weight. Their build is similar. Their 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 running mechanics are similar. They look same haircut, you know, and all that. But I, <laughs> I will say that Griffin Tulu is probably maybe a step faster, just like on a dead run. Um, wow, and, and maybe a little bit. You know of an upside there, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. those are some, yeah. And and I know right. that. Um, Second question. Okay, go ahead. Oh well, I'm sorry, I meant to cut you off. No, no, there. you're good. Uh, okay. I was just wondering, uh, if Marcus Murphy, do you feel like I don't know if he's going to be in a free or a, or a strong or dog or whatever we call it, but do you think he can have an impact with the attitude our defense had that Willie Gay brought to it last year when he was in the game? Because I feel like that's going to be important for us. Just a physical standpoint. Sure. Yeah. Um, is he I, that guy? I, I think in reality, he, he, you know, Lynn, he probably is. Yeah. In, in reality, he probably is sort of this emotional shot in the arm to the guys. Um, but I don't think to the extent that Willie Gay was. That's that's not quite the impact. Yeah, um, you know, Willie was so good and so athletic that him just kind of being out there gave everybody else a little confidence. And then on top of that, he was this, you know, personality that sort of was bigger than any room he right. was ever in, kind of guy. And you know, Marcus is not quite the same type of personality, but I do think on the field, in terms of, you know, intensity and toughness and physicality, he kind of brings that and. Is is Marcus capable? I think here's the question for him because of the position he's playing. Is he capable of flying around making tackles the way that Jonathan Abram did? He might not be as tall as Jonathan. Because if he is, you're talking about a guy who's going to really elevate himself and and elevate that team. And, and if he right. if he doesn't, he's going to be good. But one but if he could if he could be productive the way that Jonathan Abram was and and kind of elevate to that level, now you got something. You say the ability to be great, but whether or not he will be remains to be seen. Is that what you said? I, I, well, I think so, yeah. And I don't know. I wouldn't definitely stand here and tell you, oh, he can be just as good as Abram. I don't know that. I just mean, right. you know, in terms of read and identify. And look, let's be honest, you know, Jonathan was a guy who some defenses took advantage of his aggressiveness and got him to bite and then threw it over his head a bunch. And that happens. It's fact. Right. So there's a so there is a happy medium there. But but I think right. yeah, I mean he could be he could be that important to the defense. He sure could. Okay. 
Is he going to be at free safety or where is he going to be, Matt? I don't think he's free safety. I think he's probably strong safety and in some nickel That's stuff. That's what I was thinking, but I've heard someone say free safety, and I was thinking, man, he seems more physical than free safety. Well, I, you know, I think those terms, I would put it this way, without getting too technical on it, Lynn, when you run that 3-3-5, you've got three safeties on the field, right? So Because right. one's always a nickel deal. And you're not always flipping like like the offense lines up. You're not always going to look at how they line up and then flip sides if you need to to play a certain position. There are going to be times where on his side of the field, he rotates down. He's a strong safety. But because of how they line up, now he's going to fly back to the middle of the field and be a free safety. You see what I'm saying? Like, so I, got I think in this defense, be are, yes, that's right. That's right. I think safeties are safeties in this defense. Okay. Yeah. All right, Matt. Well, I appreciate it, and I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna hold y'all. Maybe other people want to talk to you. Got better questions than me. But, uh, <laughs> that was I'll, good. I appreciate, I appreciate it. it, man. I appreciate the show. Hey, forty-two thirty-five. If we don't hold them twenty-eight. All right, forty-two thirty-five. It'd be a fun ball game. Thanks, Lynn. Appreciate the call. You know, he's talking about the wide receivers. He's asking about. I would like to know more about Malik Keith, and I would also like to know as I pander through the Mississippi State roster, why there are no tight ends listed. There are only wide receivers. (laughs) Mike Leach said, we don't have tight ends, we just have tighter receivers. Y'all stick around. 